السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدل ما في الملا صراة والسلام دائمين بجام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وشر أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله واحد ورب شاهد ونحن له مسلمون وشر أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده رسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهروا على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد عباد الله إني مسيكم ونفسي إياي لتقوى الله On this blessed day of Juma one of the most important things that we can remind ourselves of is to be people of good character and of the things that are weighed in the scales in addition to our acts, in addition to the words that we say, in addition to the things that we do, in addition to our Iman, character will be weighed in that scale. And good character will be one of the greatest things that make our scale of good deeds outweigh our scale of bad deeds. And from the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everybody can be a person of good character. Not everybody can be at the same level of intelligence. Not everybody can do outwardly what other people do. But at the level of character, everybody can be a level of have a good character. And this is why they used to say is if you are unable to be a person of knowledge, be a person of worship. And if you're unable to be a person of worship, know that you can still strive to be a person of good character. And of all of the great character traits of our Prophet and he is the Imam of every trait of good character. All of the meanings of good character were realized in him وسلم, in the most perfect of ways humanly possible. So he is the Imam not just of one or two traits, of every single trait. And he perfected his servitude before his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every situation that Allah tabarak wa ta'ala put him in, he responded with the utmost etiquette, the utmost etiquette of ibudiyah, of servitude to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. But of all of the great character traits, one of the most important is the character trait of humility. This is a very, very, very important character trait. And Humility is the opposite of arrogance, the opposite of haughtiness, the opposite of this trait of kibbah that when it is in the heart, it blinds someone from so many realities of the religion. But humility is a trait that we should all strive for, and it is the adornment of the believer. Our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Qasas, Tilkid darul akhiratu نَجْعَلُهَا لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُرِيدُونَ عُلُوًّا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فَسَادًا وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ We grant the home and the hereafter 
to those who do not seek superiority on earth or spread corruption and the ultimate outcome i.e. the happy ending the truly happy ending belongs only to the people of taqwa those who are mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and are pious and so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of the dar al-akhirah the home in the hereafter and he speaks about it in this way using tilka this is a way of indicating its greatness this is a way of indicating its loftiness and throughout the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we learn about realities that will take place in the next world and we learn throughout the Quran about the two final abodes but the Dar al-Akhirah the abode of the hereafter where we all want to be in the highest levels of paradise it is not for those who seek superiority on earth and the commentators say about this it is not for the people of arrogance it is not for the people that have this trait of kibr in the heart, arrogance in the heart, and lead to various acts that they do on their limbs. Rather, it is for the people of humility. And they say like the Pharaoh, which is one of the worst examples of those who were arrogant here on earth. Wala fasada. Nor for those who spread corruption, meaning those who disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who oppress others, those who take people's lives, those who harm people or animals or things, wala fasada, nor spread corruption. And you don't have to look far to look at the condition of the world right now and to see how many people on the face of this earth, not even just in this country in which we live, that's their description. They want uluwan fil ard. It's as if they're striving for superiority on earth. They are actively spreading corruption in the earth. And this is not a good state to be in. Because actually if you look at the verse, as one of the scholars pointed out, Allah Ta'ala says, La yuriduna. They don't seek, i.e. they don't even have the will towards doing these things, let alone doing it. This applies those that have the irada that want to do these things, let alone those who actually do it. So this is a very serious state. And then the people that are mindful of Allah, like Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, his understanding of this verse was, even to the degree that there are those that compare their sandals to the sandals of their friend and want the straps of their sandals to be nicer than the straps of the sandals of their friends. And this is a very precise application of this verse. But the whole point is, in the end, if Allah Ta'ala gives you nice things, whatever those nice things might be, be thankful, show gratitude, but don't use those things to be a means to put other people down or to seek superiority over other people through. And this is what he's pointing to, that subtle tendency within the heart of Bani Adam, the children of Adam, to want to be superior, to want to be on top. Whereas the believer, we are those who try to remain humble in all of our different states. And this is why Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad commenting on the verse, he said that once you read this verse, ذَهَبَتَ الْأَمَانِهَا هُنَا 
all of these fanciful imaginations of these things that people seek, of everything that they want in this world, with this verse, it all vanishes. And you come to tune, in tune, with the way that we should be as human beings, recognizing our time here on earth is temporary. We're only going to remain here on the face of this earth for a short time until we meet our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and the very blessed caliph, Sayyidina Umar bin Abd Aziz, even though he was a caliph. And he said that he repeated this verse over and over and over until he took his last breath. He repeated this verse over and over and over until he took his last breath. And he was the caliph. He was the one that was in charge of the Muslims at that particular juncture of history. And he was someone that took this responsibility seriously. And once he assumed this responsibility, he gathered his family. And that he gave them the choice of remaining with him or that they are free to go. Because now he knew that he wasn't going to fulfill their rights and that he gave them the opportunity to remain with him, to help him fulfill that responsibility. Or that if they didn't think that they could, that they could walk and they could go, but they remained with him. The ultimate outcome is for the people of taqwa. We as believers must always remember that in everything that it is that we do. Sometimes we have a decision before us where we think that by lying in this situation, by doing something shady, by cutting corners in some way that we're going to get ahead. And even if it seems like we're going to get ahead in the short term, if we contravene and go against our principles, we'll never get ahead. The only way for us truly to get ahead is to be people of taqwa, to be people that are principled, even if it's inconvenient for us, even if it means that people are going to learn about a certain side of us that we don't want them to know, even if it means that we're going to lose wealth or we're going to lose status, we should be true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we should be true to our principles, the principles of taqwa and we should know with absolute certainty is that the ultimate outcome, i.e. the truly happy, happy ending, belongs only to those who are mindful of Allah, to the people of taqwa. This great trait of humility in Arabic is called tawaldu'. And there are other traits that are related closely to humility that help us to understand our internal makeup and how it is it should be. Other traits like the trait of dhilla, where we realize our lowliness. A, another trait which is called iftiqar, our impoverishment before our Lord. Another trait of idtirar, and this is a trait of feeling that one is in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they are that in a state where they have nowhere to turn except to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a number of other traits as well form our makeup internally. And each one of these applies in a specific way to different things. When, it, when we talk about humility, we are talking primarily or largely about how we relate to other people, how we view ourselves in relation to other people.
So yes, one of the definitions of arrogance, which is the opposite of humility, is to reject truth. But it's to despise people, to scorn people, to look down on people and to reject truth. So if you have that trait, those things that you are prevented, but the opposite is also true. If you have humility, you will be able to interact with other people much better. You will be able to accept the truth because you won't be blinded by that trait of heart. And so these beautiful traits that we have, that when it comes to Tawaldar, again, it relates to us and other people. When it comes to Dhilla, this is just how we see ourselves in and of our own selves, our lowliness. We remind ourselves of that. And even though this sounds self-deprecating, this doesn't mean that you are physically beating yourself up. No, you're spiritually beating yourself up. Spiritual struggle is you are spiritually wrestling with yourself, putting yourself into check. And what does it mean to spiritually wrestle with yourself? It really means that at the level of the heart you're aware of thoughts. And when bad thoughts come, you fight with yourself in relation to those thoughts and you put yourself in place in relation to them. What it means is you try to preempt and that ever being in a position where you're going to have a bad thought by putting its opposite in there. So that in the moment when you do that, if you do that in the moment, you might not have that bad thought. Or if you do, it will be easy to overcome. An example of that is the terrible disease of envy. And someone might just all of a sudden be in a situation where envy comes in their heart towards another person. But if you would have spent time working on yourself proactively, trying to preempt that type of thought, where you actually imagine the things that you want most that other people are actually attaining them. Maybe even your adversary, maybe even that one person that you're really vying with for that particular thing. If you imagine preferring that person over yourself in relation to those things that you want most, and you do this day in and day out, then in that moment, the thought might not even come, but if it does, it will be very easy to overcome. You seek refuge in Allah Ta'ala and then just disliking it in and of itself is an atonement for it to begin with. So anyhow, we have these blessed traits in Allah Ta'ala that says, clarifying to us our reality, Ya nasu antumud Allah. O people, you are impoverished to Allah. You are the truly poor and in need of Allah. Wallahu huwal ghaniyul hamid. Allah is the one who is independent, or you could say the rich with a capital R in Al-Hamid, the praiseworthy subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are the ones who are in need of Allah ta'ala in every single moment. And it is not only healthy, but it is spiritually of the utmost importance that we strive to be in that state. Because if you look at the opposite, when we start to see ourselves as self-sufficient, the Qur'an teaches us that this is the source of us exceeding all bounds. When he says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, كَلَّا إِنَّ الْإِنْسَانَ لَيَطْغَى That no, indeed, the human being exceeds all bounds. When he sees himself as self-sufficient. And we get blinded by that. And this self-sufficiency again, it, goes, it works very closely with the opposite of tawadu, humility, which is kibar. And one feeds the other. 
But when you see yourself as self-sufficient, you were the one doing it. You were the one in control. You were the one who actually did the work for it. La ilaha illallah. Is that this leads to an exceeding of the bounds of all different sorts. And this is not a good state to be in. And in order to emphasize the importance of humility, our Prophet taught us وسلم, And in some narrations, he swore an oath about what it is that he was going to say to emphasize. And these are things that are commonly thought one thing leads to the other. And the Prophet وسلم, wanted to change our conception so that we think, we think in the right frame. So he said, وسلم, this is a hadith in Sahih Muslim. Wealth is not diminished by charity. It seems like when you give, it's going. And it seems like it's not going to come back. But our Prophet is teaching wealth is not diminished by charity. When you give, more will come back. The more that you learn to let go, and I've seen this. And of course there are people that it's actually their fitna is they haven't let go and Allah Ta'ala keeps giving them. And that's an intense tribulation to go through. But I've seen this with some of the most generous people that I know that Allah has blessed them with material wealth. Many of them are those who have the ability to just let go. And they just give. And they're not attached to their wealth in the ways that other people are. They just have an ability to let go. And Allah keeps giving them and keeps giving them. وَمَا زَادُ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا بِعَفْوًا إِلَّا عِزَّةً and Allah Ta'ala will not increase a servant when he pardons others except in honor. Because this is what people will say. If I keep saying, apologizing, if I keep pardoning, then people are going to start taking advantage of me. And yes, there's certain circumstances where you have to stand firm. But this replies. In general, we should be people that when people seek our forgiveness, we pardon them. That we actually even more than that go out of our way to seek forgiveness from others when we think there might have been something that we've done. But then the last part relates to humility. No one will lower themselves in humility before Allah, except Allah will raise that individual. What a beautiful statement of our Prophet The more that we lower ourselves, the more we're raised. The Prophet was the most humble of all of creation. And this is where humility, once it gets beyond the level of us and other people, is that there's degrees after that. And it's only to the degree of our ma'rifah, our knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His attributes of majesty and grandeur and rigor and beauty that will we fully be realized in this trait of humility. Once we start to come to know Allah Jalla Jalala, Jalalu, and who He is, then we'll know our place. Then we'll start to come to know who it is that we are. And there's a beautiful story with multiple narrations in the life of our Prophet ﷺ, where our Prophet ﷺ had an angel come to him. And in this particular narration, the Prophet described the angel as being the size of the Kaaba. And the angel then said to the Prophet ﷺ, he gave him a choice to be a king prophet, a Nabiyan Malikan, O Nabiyan Abdan, or a servant prophet. A king prophet or a servant prophet. So the prophet Solomon, the prophet David were examples of king prophets.
that Allah Ta'ala gave an enormous an amount of dominion. But what did our Prophet ﷺ do? He looked at Jibreel, the angel Gabriel, and then he that motioned to him to be humble. So the Prophet ﷺ said, rather, I want to be a servant prophet. And then he thanked his Lord ﷺ, and then the angel said to him, you will be the first from whom which the earth cleaves, and that you will be the first of those granted intercession. In other words, is that when everybody is resurrected, we're right now living, but there's people that are in the belly of the earth, and that once all of the souls are taken from the face of this earth, and the horn is blown the first time, 40 years will pass, it's blown a second time, and then we'll be resurrected from the graves. The very first of those from whom which come from the earth will be our blessed Prophet Muhammad but this is why it's so important for us to attach our hearts to Him. Because if we have a heart attached to Him, even if we're not blessed to pass in the blessed city of Medina Munawwara, where the Prophet is buried, if we love the Prophet and we want to be with Him, Allah can be, make us be from those even if we're buried on the other side of the earth, from those who are raised with Him and so what we learn from the story is our Prophet chose to be a servant Prophet just as he chose to be in a state of poverty. He chose to be in a state of poverty. That was by choice. He would give away all of his wealth every single day. And he would do this because this was he was living in the moment. You could describe it as such, but it indicates his complete trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's a story where the Prophet ﷺ, after Salat al-Asr, he finished praying. And then he immediately stood up and he went into his home. And he had remembered some wealth that he had that he didn't want nightfall to come except that he had given it away. Now that is not an easy state to be in. Yani, we begin by at least giving zakat. And for those that have money to give in zakat, Zakat is only 2.5% of your wealth, 1 40th. A little bit different than the taxes that we have in the country in which we live. It's only 2.5% of your wealth. And that we know that were the people of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah just to pay their zakat on the face of this earth, there would be sufficiency for everybody. There would be sufficiency for everybody. But Muslims neglect this, unfortunately. And we have to learn a little bit about zakat in its importance and how it actually is the right of the poor. It's not, it's not your money. It's actually the right of the poor and the right of those eight categories that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in His book subhanahu wa ta'ala. So our Prophet chose to be this way and our Prophet was someone who was very close to the people and this is why he taught us وسلم, in a hadith that it is from tawadu, it is from humility. To just be content and not being the limelight of the gathering, not being in the main place where people are facing and seeing. That's not something that is desired. And if anyone is sitting up front where people are looking at that particular individual and they want to be there, that is a serious disease in the heart. And that's a serious problem. If someone's forced to be there, it is what it is. 
Sometimes they have to assume that responsibility, but it's not where someone wants to be. We should be content just being any old person in the gathering. We should just be content that when we walk to not have people notice us and to accustom ourselves to the beauty if you can really put your heart in tune with the remembrance of Allah Taala, and that's beauty to the beauty of anonymity where no one knows you and when you're in places where there are people that don't know you that should be a relief if you're actually known in other places because that's very healthy for your soul to get accustomed to not being known and our Prophet also said وسلم, is that eating with your servant is from humility and this is something that in many places in the Muslim world where they actually have workers coming in this is in some places a serious problem where you see this deep-seated arrogance where it's as if they don't even want to associate with that person eating with people that are helping you in some way this is the Sunnah of our Prophet Sitting with people that have less than you, that are literally poor, is from humility. We should be comfortable. This is one of the problems of modern cities, is that you have these neighborhoods that oftentimes are segregated, even if you can reach there by walking or cars. Where in previous times, that most cities, you had someone that was extremely poor next to someone that was wealthy, and they were mixing, and they were praying in the same rows for prayer and they were in the same masajid, and so forth and so on. So humility is of the utmost importance. And you can't speak about humility with also speaking of, without speaking about the danger of arrogance. And that we know in narrations is that the arrogant will be raised on Yom Al-Qiyamah like ants. That people will trample them on the plane of judgment because they're so insignificant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They'll be raised like ants. Just as we're walking and there's very well could be ants under this tarp, underneath the feet. We don't even notice them because they're so insignificant. The people that thought they were significant here on earth, if they're not really significant with Allah on Yom Al-Qiyamah, they will be trampled the way that we trample ants here on earth. And then there's something about this terrible trait of arrogance is that it skews our perspective. And the great Imam, Imam Muhammad al-Bakr, he used to say, to the degree that someone has arrogance in their heart will be to the degree that their intellect is diminished. The more, the more arrogance, the less intellect that they'll have. The less arrogance, the more intellect that they'll have. The more ability that they will have to make proper decisions. And then, if we want to bring this trait in a very practical way into our life, there is a number of things here that I will just mention that we can, in a very practical way, be people of humility when that particular situation arises. So these are the times where we should exemplify this humility. And one is acknowledging our wrongdoing. If we're in a particular situation where Something's happened between us and other people, for instance. Acknowledging our wrongdoing, even if it's with your children. Because sometimes a parent makes a mistake, a parenting mistake, with their children. And even then, it's good to acknowledge. Because then you're teaching your child what to do. 
because your child's going to make mistakes. And if that's the example that you set, even though you're usually the father or the mother in a position of authority, you're teaching them that when you make mistakes, you acknowledge your wrongdoing. Receiving correction and feedback graciously. How are we when people critique us, when people give us feedback, when people correct us? Refraining from criticizing others. This relates to humility. Because the more arrogance that we have, the more prone we are to criticize others. Forgiving others who have wronged us. Apologizing to others who have been wronged by us. That enduring unfair treatments with patience and a forgiving spirit. Thinking and speaking about the good things of other people. Sometimes our arrogance prevents us from justifiably praising someone that deserves to be praised for something. Rejoicing over other people's successes. The more humility you have, the more that you'll be able to do that. Counting our blessings. Arrogance will blind you from blessings that you have because you'll feel entitled. But if you're humble, you're, you'll be more prone to giving gratitude. Seeking opportunities to serve others. An arrogant person can't serve others. An arrogant person has to be in charge. Willing to remain anonymous in helping others. Showing gratitude for our successes. Giving due credit to others for our successes. Treating success as a responsibility to do more for others. This is very detailed. Treating success as a responsibility to do more for others. As opposed to, I deserve it. No, Allah has granted you success in something. You have, you're gifted in terms of your thought. You've been gifted wealth. You've been gifted status or whatever. That actually is a responsibility on your shoulders now to do more for others. Willing to learn from our failures. Assuming responsibility for our failures. Accepting our limitations and circumstances. And that treating all people with respect and so forth and so on and there's many other things that can mention. Why do we go into that detail? Because what this shows you is that humility is one of these traits just as arrogance is one of those traits that blocks you from so many good traits of character and this is why that our Prophet taught وسلم, is that no one that has a mustard grade seat of arrogance in their heart will enter into paradise. And the wisdom behind this blessed statement of our Prophet وسلم, is that it prevents you from so many good traits of character. Whereas if you adorn your heart with humility, it opens up the doors for you to become realized in so many other great traits of character. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us in all of our affairs. And may we come to understand this great virtue, bring it into our lives, and to be people who exemplify it in all of our different states. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Adameen, wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin, ashraf al-anbiya'i wa al-mursaleen, wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin, wa sahabati al-akramin, wa tabi'unnum bi ahsayna liyawmiddin, wa alayna ma'am wa fihim bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin, wa sharu an la ilaha illallah, wa sharu anna muhammad al-rasulullah, amma ba'ja ibadullah, inni musikum wa nafsi iyaya, bitaqwallah. As we have now entered into the first part of Muharram, this very blessed month, which is from the Ashhur al-Hurram, it is from the inviolable months. It is very important that we prepare ourselves especially to fast on the 10th day of Muharram, 
which has come directly in the Sunnah of our Prophet Muhammad and our Prophet taught is that anyone who fasts the blessed day of Muharram is it will be an atonement for the past year's worth of sins. What a blessing. One single day that you remain for a particular period of time from eating and drinking and from other things that break your fast and it's an atonement for the previous year. These are enormous opportunities. So this is something that we should look out for. And if we're able to fast other days during the first 10 days of Muharram, that's also good too because the first 10 days of Muharram are also special. The last 10 days of Ramadan, the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, and the first 10 days of Muharram are the three sets of special tens. So that if we can fast this and if we can add, as some of the ulama mentioned, the Tasu'ah, the ninth day of Muharram, and some even add the eleventh day of Muharram, that's good. And also fasting in general in the inviolable months is good. So fasting the white days, for instance, whatever we're able to do that we should do, this is a blessed opportunity in seeking out these special opportunities is a great way for us and one of the main ways for us to be raised in rank even though our lifespans are the shortest of all of the other prophetic communities. But it's also a time to make strong intention to have resolution, to get dedicate ourselves throughout this year to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dedicate yourself to praying your five daily prayers on time, preferably in congregation and especially Fajr and Isha. Let's really make an effort as a community to pray those prayers in congregation at the places where people congregate for those prayers. But then also dedicate yourself to learning. Try to have at least one class that you attend a week of some sort where you can familiarize yourself with your deen because the light of knowledge is so important that it opens up the path for us to travel to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then so many other aspects of your life. Now is an opportunity to enter into this year with strong and firm resolution to be able to get ourselves together and to rectify our relationship with our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah bless this time to be a time of immense benefit and blessing for all of us, for our families and for the ummah of our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inna Allahu malaikatahu yusalluna alayhi nabi Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Sayyidina Muhammad Kama sallayta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Sayyidina Muhammad Kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala Sayyidina Ibrahim fil alameen innaka hamidu majid Wa radiyallahu ta'ala sadatan khulafa rashidin al-Bakr umma thman wa ali Wa ala jimiya sadatan al-Sahab al-Kiram wa ala ahli bayt al-Rasuli la al-Mutahharin min al-Arjas wa alayna ma'amu fihim برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين المؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات اللهم إنا نسألك زيارة في الدين وبركة في العمر وصحة في الجسر وصحة في الرزق وتوبة قبل الموت وشهادة عند الموت ومغفرة بعد الموت وعفونا عن الحساب ما من عذاب نصيب الجنة وذكر النظر إلى وجهك الكريم إن الله وملائك إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان ويتاء ذو القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكر الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروا على نعمه يزدكم وردك الله أكبر